Welcome to the Coach's Edge podcast, dedicated to teaching, sharing, and learning the game. I'm your host, Steve Kramer, the Coach's Edge. Thank you for joining me today and on the episode. BCAM, Basketball Coach Association of Michigan, Dan Young, Executive Director, joins the show. On this episode, we talk about the shot clock. We talk about adding some regular season games. We talk about seeding the districts and much more. Whether you are a coach around the country, you're going to find this episode very interesting. The Coaches Association in Michigan is the largest coaching association in the country. So you get to see the inside of how they are trying to continue to move the game forward. Thank you to Dan for taking the time to be on the Coach's Edge podcast. And if you find it beneficial, share it out, leave a positive rating, leave a review. That goes a long way as well. Let's get to the show. I'd like to give a warm Coach's Edge welcome to Dan Young, Executive Director of the Basketball Coaches Association of Michigan. Dan, thank you for taking the time to be on the Coach's Edge podcast. Thank you. My pleasure. This is going to be exciting. A lot of our listeners are in the state of Michigan, and so to get you on here and to talk about basketball in my home state, the great state of, of Michigan, is going to be really beneficial for a lot of listeners. And our, honestly, our listeners around the country are going to be really curious to have somebody who has their hands in uh, so many areas around the state of Michigan with, with basketball. So before we get into that, can you share with us a little bit of your background and what's led you into being the executive director of BCAM today? So uh, I'm a central grad. I'm, I'm from Metro Detroit, went to Canton High School um, and went to Central Michigan and walked into Charlie Cole's office and said, can I help out in any way? And became a manager. Um, Charlie called me Steve for a year. Uh, no joke. And so I asked him at Finally, why you call if he, me? If he has to call you something, that's yeah. a great name. But right. let, let's yeah. hear the real reason. Yeah, I kept going. It's Dan. And so <laughs> I started at the lowest possible uh, area. But Charlie um, uh, kind of got into it uh, in, in, in love, took notes every day, uh, knew I wanted to be a coach, uh, got my degree. Um, and then I got an assistance job at Western Michigan. Charlie helped me with that. I worked for Bob Donawald for two years. I could have stayed at the college level. Uh, it was amazing to be in the Mac for, uh, you know, four years in college and then two in, in with uh, Bob, but really wanted to be a high school coach and have a family and not that I couldn't as a college coach. I just felt like it was a better lifestyle for me. And so got a teaching job in Plymouth Canton where I grew up and uh, taught uh, middle school phys ed, uh, retired in 2018. And so as a high school coach, I coached at Canton High School. Um, as a head coach. And then when the kids were little, I got out of it and became an assistant for a little while uh, in the Catholic league. And then um, again, came back and coached at John Glenn high school in, in Westland and then finished up at uh, doing girls at Salem. And uh, I also coach high school golf and retired in 18. Um, and in 2000, I was asked to join the board uh, of BCAM and, um, just tried to do whatever I could do, went to the clinics, helped out in anywhere I can, volunteering anywhere I can. And I just kind of, you know, fell into um, that and was asked to be the assistant director probably 10 years ago for Tom with Tom Hersey and uh, took over, became as the executive director in 2019. And it's just uh, really a blessing 
I feel blessed to be able to serve coaches every day in this position. And um, I just feel very lucky to be in this position, having been a, a college coach, a high school coach, and now, um, you know, being able to serve and help others. No question. You have a, a wealth of, of knowledge and, and experience over the years, which I'm sure comes in very, very handy. What I'm curious, what's a, what's a day in the life as an executive director? What does that look like? So we have, uh, we're going on over 10 years of being the largest association in the country. So we start over every year, August one with new, you know, we start from zero and work up and we've been between 5,500 and 6,000 members for 10 plus years. Um, and don't, don't quote me exactly when we got to 5,500, but it's been, we're, we're large and we include everyone. We include middle school coaches, um, Tom Izzo and Juwan Howard are members. Um, we, we, we have a school special where we try to get as many people involved as we can at the lowest price we can. So when you think about that many people and that many um, opportunities to have communication, um, it can be some days are very, very busy and other days aren't as much, but we always have something going on that we're looking forward to. So right now the clinic, getting our speakers lined up, getting our people, the information out to the association. Uh, this summer, we had a big survey, and I can discuss that, and I know that's part of the show tonight. Um, that was a big push. We have a board meeting in December, uh, executive board meeting in May, a, a big board meeting in the end of July, where we invite our families and get to know each other as we bring in new board members and, and, and grow as an association. Um, so. Uh, it's nice having a smartphone to be able to answer emails or calls or a quick text. So I'm able to be mobile. Um, but really it's myself, Amy Heidenberg. That's our office. The, our board is all over the state. Our regional directors are all over the state. So really it's Amy. I, I'm, I'm here in Plymouth, Michigan. Amy's in Midland, Michigan. And Amy's the best there is. She's unbelievable. And so, but really that's our, I mean, that's our office. And so um, this is my office and she has her office and then we, we rock it out, but we, you know, we, we obviously lean on our coaches and our coaches are a big part of what we do. And so it's an amazing job. I absolutely uh, love it. Uh, this past year I earned every penny of what I've ever made with COVID, it was tough and we're not out of it, but um, I wouldn't trade it for any, anything. And for, for those of you listening, I mean, your, your home office, I mean, that, that is sweet. I mean, I got a few pictures and plaques and stuff in the back, but what you have for, for those of our listeners, I yeah. mean, that, that yeah. wall is, is jam packed yeah. with yeah. some amazing uh, memorabilia. No, no doubt about that. The, the walls, the walls could talk. Um, you mentioned COVID. What have been some of the biggest challenges from this past year? And also, how do you see that evolving into this next season? Here, here was the biggest challenge. Four delays. Hmm. And the, the, here was the biggest thing that was so difficult to navigate was the governor comes on at, let's say, 10 a.m., makes an announcement that we're being pushed back 
for another month. I get on the email, I email our board, I email the regional directors, we compile an email to the association and I'm not even done and we're getting blasted on Twitter. That's was maddening to me is that um, we, we had, we were, we were just, we were trying to just navigate through it and it was at no fault of anyone. It was just the governor would make a decision. It would go, the MHSAA wouldn't even be involved in the decision. They would, it would be dropped on their lap on these delays. Then it would come to us. And it was like, guys and gals, listen, we, we're hearing about this just like you are. And we're fighting for you. And we're trying to, so because things travel so quickly it's hard and 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 we we, we in, in crisis mode we needed more people to help with communications on what we were trying to do at every minute during those crisis times when announcements would come out and you didn't know when they were coming out mm-hmm. that was hard that was hard to um be on the on the on the end of like you know w- that we're not doing anything and that we are and we were we were calling and emailing and trying to figure out information on the fly and it but but it was a frustration because we were was starting in November we got shut down we're going to go in December we go get shut down to January now we're going to start February 1st now we're February 21st that's when people lost their minds that last one on the January the 25th or 6th, that last 10 a.m. press conference that put us over the edge. Because now we were looking at, we might not have a season. Right, and you're just finding this out like everybody is. We were finding like everybody, and we had no, I mean, and the MHSA had no, um, they weren't in the loop. They were trying to be, but those communications with the MHSAA and the, and the governor's office and the uh, uh, Elizabeth Hurdle and the administrations and the health department in our state are much, much better than they were. And I think going forward, they're better. We have a, we have a good relationship with the MHSAA. And as soon as they find out stuff, they let us know. And, but it, was, it wasn't easy for anyone, um, but we learned a lot. We learned a lot on how we can um, you know, get information out to people as soon as you can and then go to social media but you almost have to do it simultaneously so you mm-hmm. need multi people multiple people to do that and so we're going to be more in line for crisis mode going forward yeah i mean change is change is the only constant and yeah. with this situation there's no yeah. telling exactly what's going to happen but you had to prepare for a lot of things that were unexpected and um and we'll it the best you could. We'll, yeah we'll be better for it um we already are uh but you can't prepare for the things we were going through last right. year. You know, we yeah. got to be prepared for the same things this year. Is that mm-hmm. I think things are better, but you know, we're not out of the woods, obviously. Yeah, of course. Yeah. We want everybody to be safe. No doubt about, no doubt about that. Um, I know many of our, our listeners are going to be curious as we dig into some specifics, um, especially regarding basketball in the state of Michigan and some of these things we're starting to see or we have seen in other states around the country. And um, I recently saw a 
a tweet on the, the BCAM Twitter page of some results and some coaches polls regarding some of these topics. So right. I'm just going to fire these out here and, and just have you share a little bit about where you see uh, the state of Michigan going in some of these areas. So uh, I'll let you pick where you want to go with, with these main three shot clock district seating and the possibility of adding some regular season games. Okay. Let's start with games. We've been asking for two more games similar to the states around us who all have at least 22 right. and Illinois has close, I think 30 or 31, um, which is just, you know, I, uh, so we have been since 2014 has been brought up on our, in our board meetings that we want to be competitive with the states around us. And we have uh, had proposals for more games um, all that time. And so we, along with the shot clock being um, the National Federation of High Schools, which is what Michigan is, 99% of our schools are under the National Fed have said we can use the shot clock in your state in 22-23. So that was a part of our survey. And the 22 games was a part of our survey, even though we've been working on that for a long time, we wanted to see where people were now. And then seating at the district level, we now have um, uh, where we take the top two seats in each district and put them on opposite sides of the bracket. And then we do a random selection from there. They get the buys two to Wednesday or whatever, depending on the amount of schools in that, in that district. But we, we're now saying that if we have the ability to rank and to get um, teams from one to seven or one to five, however many you have, let's, let's just do it. And so, and we also asked if we wanted to do it at the regional level, because, you know, when I, we coached at John Glenn, we would have Romulus, Ann Arbor Huron, in our pioneer, um, Ipsy High sometimes, John Glenn Wayne. And it's just like, so we also have, uh, we've had proposals out there called the KPI, which would take four region, uh, one regional, four districts and seed them and move teams to where every district. So that, that's not, that we're not there yet, but I am, we are happy that we've gotten, we've, we've moved towards not having the best two teams play on Monday night, that at least has worked. It's gotten a little bit better. And now it's over 80% in our survey that, um, well, it was 80, 81% for two more games. And then it was high 70s, uh, 75, 76 for seeding the district. So I think we're, I mean, we're moving towards it, but I will say this, coaches can want whatever they want. It still comes down to the administrators the athletic directors, the principals, the rep council, they make the decisions. So we have to encourage our coaches to go to their administrators and say, here's what I think we should be doing. And here's why when it comes to shot clock and it comes to more games and it comes to seating at the district, because eventually they're going to have, we don't get a vote unless we're on rep council or um, we're an athletic director. And those types of things are the next level. But I think it's important to have our survey. We had 2,000 coaches respond, including 180 athletic directors. So those are good numbers. That's, that's a good indication of what people are, are uh, they want. And I think that's a powerful uh, message that we want to be competitive just like everybody else. Yeah. 
Yeah. I had the chance to be an, I was an assistant coach for two years in Ohio and, and in Ohio, we obviously didn't have the shot clock, but um, we seeded the districts. Now the, the seating in Ohio was a little bit different because it was more of a coach's seating rank, which right. has some of its <laughs> positives and negatives yeah, as, yeah. as you can imagine. Um, right. You know, one coach doesn't like the other coach. They're the best team. Right. He gives them a, you know, 10 seed in the district. Yeah. Um, that stuff tends to, to come around, but they did have something. And, and for the most part, coaching there for a couple of years, teams for the most part, get the right seed. I mean, get, you know, a, maybe a team should have been a two and they got a three or four for the most part teams were the better teams were had the chance. And, and they did some unique things where coaches are actually picking the spot where they're, where they're playing um, instead of, um, you know, you might have, the one at the top, the two at the bottom. And then you might have three, four, five, six all in the bottom because they want to stay away from the one team at the top. Yeah. So, so I'm not saying by any means it was perfect. They, they have some, you know, system and then they had 22 games there. And I mean, it was just nice for us to get two more games. And I thought you didn't really notice anything with two more games. It was just nice that we were playing. Um, I did want to ask you a little bit about the shot clock and some of your thoughts on, you know, what coaches are saying pro and con. I also coached high school basketball in Germany. So we're playing with the shot clock. We're playing with a 24 second shot clock over wow. there. And wow. 20, 24 oh, seconds for our high school kids. That's, you better get into your stuff. So wow. th this is where I think time frame comes in because here I was, you know, playing over there, we're, we're grown men playing with a 24 second shot clock, but now we got these teenagers playing and, you know, smaller, less athletic. And there were, there were just times where we weren't really getting into our offense and somebody had to force up a shot. 24 is pretty, 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 uh, I was too short. Yeah. It was way, 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 way yeah. too short. I mean, in college, we're not even playing that. Right. Yeah, um, so 30 to 35 is, is way more appropriate. hundred percent, hundred percent. And so I was glad we were, we had a, a clock. I mean, there was no stalling and, and, you know, you can go into the pros and cons of, of that. It was too short for those little younger guys to be, to try to create something. Um, there was just a lot of tough shots that you wouldn't take in a game. Right. These guys had to take um, to be able to, you know, not have a shot clock violation. So anyway, I want to throw this back to you thoughts on the shot clock time frame, some of the pros and cons that coaches are throwing at you as far as adding it to what they're doing. I like flow. I've always liked flow in games. I think having flow um, makes the game more fluid. I would not propose a 24, but no, 35. I wouldn't either. <laughs> yeah, 35 um, is very appropriate. And I think flow at the end of quarters and especially flow at the end of games, I think would be much better. Um, uh, you know, I, I just think it would be great. It would be more consistent with our country uh, and how we play the game um, because at the other levels, they're doing that. I just think the more consistent we are, uh, I, think, I think that it would be good for the game. I think it'd be good for flow. I think it'd be good for watching the game. Um, and again, it comes down to skill level and um, execution. And uh, that can be done at any level. You can be good skill-wise and not be very athletic as a team and have good execution 
and not be athletic. So I think that's something that I would very much go against the, well, we don't have the athletes. Well, it's still skill level execution, getting into your, you know, it's not like you have to shoot it after one pass. I mean, 35 seconds is it's, and it keeps, I, I think it'd be great for the flow of the game. I've been, at, I've been on both sides coaching of trying to control tempo and trying to slow it down and trying to push it to, to get more. Been on both, having coached for so many years. And um, I, I don't think it would, it would um, for those that say that, that the better teams, it would be harder. I, I disagree. I still think it's a skilled, a skilled game. If you can handle it, shoot it, pass it, screen get into action, work together, you'll get good shots and you'll make more shots and you'll get shots at the end of clocks. I don't agree with that. And so, um, and if they want to speed you up, fine, then you're going to, it's going to open the court and you're going to get easier shots. Uh, I think when the game gets packed in and it's a stall game and it's a keep away game, I think that's just hard to watch, hard to yeah. play in. It's not really, but I get it. If you're trying to win one game, right. yeah, I get it. Um, but I think the positives are way outweigh the, um, the naysayers, mm -hmm. but that's my philosophy though. And, and, you know, I'm only, I'm only one person in a survey, but you know, the, the membership is speaking that, you know, our head coaches are 71% for it. Yeah. Uh, uh, of the 2000 that, that, um, so it, in, in the shot clock's inevitable, it, it's coming, right. It's going to happen. It's a matter of when we get it. Do you think that out of that 29%, it's more so this is the way we've always done it. And, you know, you, you can play the way that it's always been, or do you think it's yeah. like a yeah. cost issue and something like that? No, I definitely think that, um, again, us coaches, you know, if, if we don't think about the cost, we just like, well, we can do it. We can do it. We can do it. But uh, the administrators are obviously looking at cost. I think the administrators too look at the lower levels and whether you can get personnel at the tables. Uh, but I think the naysayers, again, uh, liking the true form of how high school has been played in our state for all these years. People that would just like to keep it the way it is. And you know what? That's okay. That's okay. Um, in my position, we've got to lay out all the data and then where the data is going is where we're going to push. You know, if, if more people want it, we're going to push for it. If it was 20% that wanted it, then we wouldn't push for it. So the data is uh, driving that for our association. You brought up an interesting, interesting point. Do you think this is something that would be okay for the varsity game? We're having a shot clock or for, you know, varsity JV freshmen, we're all using the shot clock. We put in our survey um, varsity only, we were just curious, varsity yeah. only or all levels. And it was, you know, it was, it, nothing really jumped out other okay. than, um, you know, over 70% would like it in some form or fashion. So I, I mean, I could see if you were starting a front, you were having a freshman game and you're just getting it started and you're, you're just trying to get the officials there and get somebody to run the clock maybe you would go, well, let's just start playing and maybe you don't use the clock. Um, and then by the time you get to the JV and the varsity, I could see that happening. And then every varsity game 
would try if you had it and it was the rule was in you would do it for sure, sure. but um just like anything those that run schools understand that you know and i think that's one of the things that's hold, it been holding it back but it's inevitable it's 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 happening there it's, i just said i just saw iowa just passed it and that's the 10th state and it's 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 gonna happen yeah. we're gonna if the national fed is saying it's time then they've thought about it all it's been on the it's been on the docket for years and years and years and years and now it's it's coming our way and mm-hmm. we've just i think we literally have to get prepared for it to happen yeah um and hopefully it will if that's what is best for the game yeah i mean personally i i agree with you 100% the flow of the game is going to improve yep I think the skill of the game is going to be forced to improve as well uh, because players are going to have to be able to make plays and execute Mm -hmm. uh, individually and as a team, as the clock is winding down, that friend of mine coaches in Georgia, and I don't, I don't think it's this year, but next year they're going to be, they're going to be getting it very soon. I know as well. It's coming. Um, Yeah. it's coming. And and the rest of the world has, has been using it already. Uh, So uh, that'll be, that'll be good. Uh, Switching, switching gears coach. Uh, basketball growing popularity through throughout the world um, in the U.S. and in, in Michigan specifically. What are some ways that we can continue to grow the game? And I'm thinking specifically on uh, the girls' side, not the girls' basketball. It isn't popular because as it is, but you know, general numbers. There's just more boys that tend to play basketball than girls. We had a great thing going. We had fall basketball for girls, um, and and but that's water under the bridge. It's over. But, um, as far as the girls side, it's, uh, it's, it's really been tough now that, uh, uh, club sports are becoming so much a part of everyone's lives is that girls are, are having to choose between club volleyball and basketball. And it's in talking to our, our coaches on the girls side, it's really become, um, uh, they're just losing that athlete <clears throat> that normally would, and, and not even club volleyball, um, club soccer and, um, girls and guys choosing to play only one sport. And so basketball is, um, is, um, the best sport there is. I absolutely love it. Um, but I think on the girls side, our numbers are going down because of the just the sheer there's more uh opportunities to do other things and um and we're we're thinking that's what it is i mean um you're not seeing that two and three sport girl like we used to they're they're focusing on volleyball or they're getting ready for softball or they're gonna do club soccer and travel in the winter or they're gonna just train you're seeing more and more of that and it's hurting our game from on the girls perspective on the girls side uh we went to a five quarter rule recently and that was a really for uh lower level football in small communities and girls basketball because you were having jv teams that only had seven or eight girls and freshman teams that only had seven or eight girls and the five quarter rule helped, you know, you don't want, let's say you only had five or six on the JV. Now the girls are like, you know what, let's just quit because we don't even have enough to have a team. So that five quarter rule has helped keep 
groups together and saved some groups of kids that maybe would have walked the other way. Uh, that's been helpful, but I don't know. I mean, it's just, it's just, there's, there's a lot more going on and club sports are here to stay. And we just have to continue to, I mean, I I'll be the first one to say there's nothing like a high school game in front of your student body on a Friday night. There's nothing like it. Oh man. The, the popcorn, the, the band's playing. Yeah. Talk to me all um, you want about yeah. a club, club this and club that. There's nothing like it. Yeah. And you'll never mm-hmm. have that ever. And community. I just, a community. And so um, those are things that you'll never, never, you won't get back. And we just want to continue to, uh, you know, with last year, not having crowds, hopefully we can get those, get it back safely and, and get kids excited about developing and being a part of your community and playing for the, the name on the front of your Jersey. And there's nothing like it, as you well know, there's nothing like it. Yeah. And so, um, but you know, there's competition out there yeah. for everyone. Yep. No, no doubt. No doubt about that. Um, is there, I'm just, I'm still thinking of the, the band playing and running out and the, yeah, the smell of the popcorn. I mean, that's a, that's always a good, yep. great memories. Um, is there a direction or, yep. or a vision you see? Oh, that's fantastic. Right. Um, you're not getting that in, uh, you know, your, your Saturday AAU yeah. games. That's, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What's the direction or vision uh, that you see Michigan high school basketball having moving forward? We, we, we are trying to be to, uh, to make sure everyone knows that you don't have to go anywhere else. If you grew up here or if you now live here, you can, you can do whatever you want out of the state of Michigan. You don't have to leave. And I, I, I'll say that, you know, we're fighting to get everything like any other state. And, you know, I keep hearing, well, our best players are leaving and this and that, and I go, you know what? They shouldn't leave because this is, this is, if this is where you're from, this is your home. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to fight. BCAM is going to continue to fight for um, what's best for us. And just like everybody else has, as far as games and, and um, having the best teams and having the opportunities to be recruited and we are in the middle of all of that. Uh, just so you know that the, on the guys' side, we have been uh, basketball associations around the country are now involved with June recruiting. So it was always July when you and I were growing up where the colleges would look at the kids in July, or they used to look at them more during the school year. But yeah. July has become so strong. And on the guys' side, a lot of cheating going on and money laundering through AAU programs to players that three years ago now, it was moved to the June period with high school coaches. So, and the girls is April and July for, for recruiting for division one. And there's now talk that it, they may have a June period too. So we're in the middle of those types of events too. We had, we only had a one day event this year for boys. It was a COVID thing because of COVID. We didn't want to have anybody staying overnight but we had uh, 48 schools and we had 80 college coaches, including all, all the best ones were there um, from Izzo and, and uh, Michigan and all the way down to, you know, mid majors to GLIAC to uh, NAI and D3. And then on the girls side, we had the same thing. 
um, and, and individual events. So we're involved with those types of events too, to where if you're good, you're going to get seen and you don't have to go somewhere else. You don't have to go somewhere else. Fighting for, for the kids to have those opportunities, no giving them different opportunities yeah. throughout the course of the year. Um, that's, that's what we want here. Before we get back to the show, we want to thank you for listening to the Coach's Edge podcast and let you know it's powered by coachesedge.coach, the online resource where coaches can access hundreds of videos and playbooks. We offer personal game film review, team access to the Kramer Basketball app, access to members-only meetings, and access all of our presentations, both past and present. To learn more, go to coachesedge.coach. Let's get back to the show. Teachers, coaches, something that you're passionate about can make such a big impact on young people. I mean, that's what this is all about. Like, no question. You wouldn't be doing what you're doing if, if people in basketball didn't connect for you in a really strong way. Same thing with me. Basketball has been so, so good to me. I think that's one of the reasons I continue to, to do what I do in so many ways, working with coaches and players, is I want to stay involved in that and I want to give that positive experience back to a lot of other people. It's a responsibility. It's a privilege. So is, is there a, a message or a thought that you want to leave to all these coaches that are, that are listening? I can't imagine what my life would be like if it wasn't for the game of basketball. I can't imagine all the people I've met, all the lessons I have learned, and I'm now trying to help coaches um, to help players. Because again, the game involves teamwork, working together, sacrificing for one another. And that's just like the game of life. It mirrors it perfectly. And it's a passion to be able to help, encourage, develop, retain good coaches. And then good coaches help, uh, help kids reach their goals whether they're in sports or they're in academics or they're in whatever field they choose to go into. But the believing in yourself, like Glenn Van Weeren used to say, I believe in you. That is what basketball to me is teamwork, belief in one another. And I just, I just don't know. Um, any other way to say it is that is that uh, it's an honor and a blessing to be in, in game, just be in the game and still in it, um, uh, and being helping others. And the connections that we all have are it's endless, really. And it'll yeah. go till um, my my thing is you know five years from now, ten years from now, twenty years from now, we want to be better than we were. Mm-hmm. We want to make it have kids just you remember remember that game and remember when we da, 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 and 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 meeting up and 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 reunions and that's you, you, what life's all about all your former buddies and your teammates and your coaches and and um, not just meeting at funerals but meeting to meet and get together it's just it's just the best and um kids that don't get that opportunity it's just, I wish 
every kid could have an opportunity to be on a great team who, who love each other, who compete for each other, who sacrifice for one another. There's nothing like it. Yeah. And it carries over to real life. You got to be able to communicate. You got to be able to take disappointment and move forward and not blame others. And it's just all of that is what my passion is, is as a educator and a coach is to embrace what the game teaches us and, and being in the mix of the, being in the game. I just love being a part of the game in some small way uh, still in my life, you know? Yeah. Um, man. So, I mean, just if you could rewind that last minute or two, I mean, coaches keep it up. And when, when things get yeah. tough, remind yourself why you got in in the first place. You love basketball. You, you, you love young people. You're trying to make a positive impact in the community that you're in. You're, you're trying to, to build uh, positive contributing members of society of young men and young women. So there's going to be those highs and lows. There's going to be challenges. Things are going to happen that you don't expect, but, but stick with it and remind yourself of how you got in it in the first place, which which brings me to really our last question, Coach. Who have been or who is the person that has really made some of the most positive impact on your life through basketball? Um, my high school coaches. I had great coaches. Um, Dave Van Wagner, um, Tom Nemi, Fred Chrissy. I think Bob Bloom is been the most influential person in my life. Um, uh, Fred Thoman, um, obviously Charlie, Charlie Coles, Bob Donawald. Um, they are all part of, you know, but, but, but Bob Bloom more than anyone has been um, a sound, true friend, mentor in my life. Um, He's uh, in our Hall of Fame, coached at Salem High School and Canton High School girls, and is probably, the, I would say, the best coach I've ever met and talked to. Um, but, you know, meeting Glenn Van Raren. Mm-hmm. I mean, I Great can't person. anybody who's any, any better than him. But as far yeah. as my guys um, and gals, the, the, that, those were my, my coaches were all in, in my corner. and. Um, and obviously, um, I had some great teachers too that weren't coaches either. But uh, you know that you learn from, and their temperament and their um, ability to work with people and and get groups to work together that are totally different. Um, but there's there's and I could go on and on, but those were some really special people that some are not here anymore. Yeah. Um, and uh, I just cherish, and, and my parents, my parents had a lot to do with, you know, who I am as a person. Um, and I love my parents very much. My dad's fighting cancer and my mom's working her tail off to help mm-hmm. him all the way to the end. And it's tough. Cancer is no fun. No, but uh, no. my parents were my, my best teachers. No, but I mean, you listed off like, 10 names and then you talked about your parents, but my, my mom has battled cancer as well. I mean, it's oh. cancer sucks period. Um, so, you know, blessings to your, to your parents. Um, but again, th- just that little soundbite shows how much of an impact 
that basketball and coaching can have, which is again, what we're all trying to do. It was awesome to have you on the podcast. And, you know, I, I really wanted to accomplish, you know, two things, you know, obviously there were some questions that I asked you because I know a bunch of my coaches that I work with in Michigan wanted to hear you talk about. Um, but the other thing was, regardless of the level, you know, whether you're the, the ED at, at BCAM or you're a junior high basketball coach, I wanted to get the chance to, to speak with you and just reiterate the, the importance of the game, the value that it can have beyond who won the state championship and how many games you won. And so I just want to thank you for, for sharing. Um, thank you for, for taking the time. I know you're really busy. B-Camp Clinic is coming up. So thank you for being on the Coach's Edge podcast. It was my pleasure. Um, anytime you need me, this was so much fun. You know, you could talk all night. And I, <laughs> I, get, I get fired up. And uh, no it's, it's, there's, nothing like, there's nothing like a game, and there's nothing like being on a, on a, on a great team. Um, yeah. and, and that doesn't mean you won the state championship. It means you just you had a great team, mm -hmm. and you, you loved each other, and you competed, and, and uh, you laid it all out there for each other. And it's just uh, it's, 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 it's great. Congratulations on this. Um, endeavor you're doing a great job and I know that um your coaches are very proud of you and what you're doing right now so keep up the great work and we're yeah. we're still we're still you're a Michigan guy yes sir oh, you always. Live, you're always. a Michigan guy always always okay. always um coach thank you very thank kind you. Uh, privilege, privilege to to have you on to all of our listeners thank you for for listening if you found it beneficial share it out with another coach say hey I think you might find this episode beneficial, you know, learn a little bit about, about the game, whether you're a Michigan coach or anywhere else in, in the country, um, leave a positive rating review. That goes a really long way as we continue to build the Coach's Edge podcast, help as many coaches as we can. So thank you for listening. Coach, coach uh, Young, thanks for, for joining us. And as always, get after today.